Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, the Switch is the new Wii, and Animal Crossing is the new Super Mario Brothers. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including a Batman collection coming to the Switch and Nintendo's third quarter financial results. And then on Thursday, we are determining the single best NPC in The Legend of Zelda The Skyward Sword. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, Patrick, big news in okay. my household. We got new hand soap. In the bathroom. Mm, that's this, exciting. This was part of a... I, I also got a new soap dispenser. And while um, I was shopping for it on Amazon, I yes. went crazy. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to buy this soap that everybody's recommending. Unbeknownst to me. Why is this crazy? Why is that crazy to buy the soap that everyone's <laughs> recommending? That sounds like a sane course of action. <laughs> I bought a lot of it. Oh, okay. okay. I all bought right, a right. lot of That's where soap the crazy comes with, in. Without, got it, got ever, it. without having used it before. Mm -hmm. So we're committed to this hand soap. And so far, so good. I know everybody was really worried. So but, far, so far, soap good. But, <laughs> but it, it, um, it has no scent. Oh. Which feels... I, I, I can see how that would be... A positive and i'm learning to enjoy it right but, but you want that like that olfactory cue it felt that you're getting it, clean that is exactly it felt unnatural mm -hmm. to have it be scentless which like the unnatural part is that it would be scented right a hundred yeah because like orange creamsicle is not naturally no occurring. that's not that's not real just like how like toothpaste does, does shouldn't have to taste like spearminty that doesn't actually make your mouth cleaner Right? Like, that's not doing anything. Right. Mark, I have news for you. Well, wait. At first, I want to know if you are if you are ultimately happy with your purchase. Uh, do you know what? I think uh, I would make a good prisoner of war because I get used to anything. <laughs> and so I'm getting used to it. Okay. All right. That's not a yes. Um, Mark, I have news for you. I have started the third um, Star Wars High Republic, uh, like, adult, grown-up novel. Um, and... Uh, I am maybe 30 pages into it. I'm very early days right now, uh, High Republic Fallen Star. Um, and it features, Mark, one of our favorite characters from earlier in the series. Does it begin with a Y and end with a Yaddle? Uh, no, it is not Yaddle, but it is Geode, oh, the seemingly yes. inanimate like rock obelisk. That makes me very happy. Who is also like the navigator of a starship. Uh, it made me squeal with joy when I saw him. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, that makes me look forward to reading it. Yeah, you got catch up. I want to talk about these books. <laughs> um, but uh, what are we doing? A Sonic Forces borrowing program. We're recording a show about Nintendo. <laughs> Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address, a physical address where we can send you my copy of this game for the Nintendo Switch, and you can play it for as long as you want. Or not play it for as long as you want and send it back and pay for postage. Both ways. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. There's no avoiding that. It's just something that happens. Uh, you can't always get Sonic Forces. Sometimes you got to get Untitled Goose Game. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you give us a review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, we would love to hear about it. We would love to give you a shout-out. The U.S. Apple Podcast Store is the only place that we actively check. Mm -hmm. But we appreciate everybody who leaves us a review. And again, if you do so somewhere, let us know. We would love to uh, thank you on the show. Uh, we would love that very much. Uh, thank you to everyone who has already done it. Um, and thank you in advance. For what you are, it's such a passive aggressive thing to say. Thank you in advance. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, March is Kirby month. Uh, we're coming up on it fast. Yeah. It's only a couple weeks away. Um, we are going to be devoting an entire month of programming to 
Kirby video games, and that means we need your input. Tell us what games you want us to talk about. Tell us your Kirby memories. Uh, any Kirby stuff you have to share would help us. Email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com, or get us on Twitter or wherever. Because um, I want your memories. Uh, I like our memories, and they'll be pretty good for this show. But I would also love to steal some other people's memories and uh, present them here as our own content. That makes it sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mark, we've got a, a couple emails that I would like to address. Um, first, we got an email from Anthony titled Thoughts on Analog Pocket. Um, I just came across this and thought it'd be an interesting thing to bring up slash talk about on the show, the uh, Analog Pocket. Um, it's uh, it's unavailable until 2023 at the earliest, but I love the idea of a handheld system that plays actual Game Boy cartridges on modern, modern hardware. It looks like you can dock it and use it and use a Bluetooth controller to play on the TV as well. I prefer this concept instead of emulating games in a pseudo-legal, pseudo possibly illegal way. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Keep up the good work anthony now patrick you own an analog product you own the analog and is it nt is that yeah, right the, the the analog nt which is the super nintendo slash super famicom um and i do like it it is how i play um uh super nes game like how i play super nes game cartridges because i've that is a, a cartridge library that i've carried with me um forever um and will probably never get rid of and uh, the various Super Nintendos that I've had throughout the course of my life have, like, I had one that died, uh, and then I had uh, another one um, that uh, was getting, like, the uh, the switches were getting, like, kind of loose on it. Um, it is currently in my brother's possession. Um, but this one is, uh, it's great. and it has the HDMI hookup, um, which uh, makes it so I can actually play those games on uh, modern TV. Yeah, I love the idea of being able to, like dock the this analog pocket yeah, and huge. be able to play it on the TV. I feel like for me, the only downside to these is I don't have a collection of like Game Boy cartridges. Which is a huge downside, yeah. I mean, a lot of the games I'm sure are not that expensive and are fairly available, but it's having to like acquire them and collect it and hold on to it. Like, But a lot of them are expensive <laughs> though. Like a lot of the uh, like Game Boy Advance sort of like classic games that you would want to play on a Super NT or a, a, um analog pocket are like do go for like seventy, eighty dollars at this point. Yeah. I mean so I, I think it's a great idea. The I know that new orders aren't available until twenty twenty three, but they did ship some initially, yeah. right? Yeah. To people who did they, the original. They are in hands like people do own them at present. Um but yeah if you uh they they're doing sort of like the staggered launch of like uh, depending on when you pre ordered what wave you got in uh, is when you can start to expect it. But yeah the fact that 2023 at the earliest you know that's that's a long ways away not as far away as the next switch of course which is not going to be until 2025 <laughs> um but yeah it's it, it is a long time to wait and i think there are i mean i have a game boy advance um but i also have a uh you know the uh super nt that we were talking about before and a super game boy so if i want to play uh game boy or game boy color games i can do that on the super game boy into the Super NT and put them up on my TV. Oh, man, I hadn't thought about that. That's awesome. Yeah, that rules, right? Um, and then if I want to play Game Boy Advance games, that sort of is why I built up uh, the GBA library on my Wii U, um, which is also nice because like I never had an expansive uh, cartridge library for that. Um, and just having the you know convenience of buying those things digitally is great. But yeah, I uh, Anthony, I do think that the... As far as I can tell, all of the analog products are really cool. Yeah, they, they all seem like they do what they're supposed to do. Um, all right, then we... Uh, so uh, thank you, Anthony, for writing in. Uh, Xander wrote in with a, a question about uh, Bowser's Fury, or related to Bowser's Fury. He recently... Uh, uh, I'll just read the email. Uh, I got the 50 cat shines needed to defeat Bowser in Bowser's Fury, and the ending was so satisfying and exciting, and I'm sad because I just want a Giga Cat Plessy amiibo. Towards the end of the game, Plessy like turns into the cat version of uh, like giant uh, cat version of Plessy. That's amazing. Uh, and he says that leads me to my question: What amiibo would you want to be made, and would you buy them? So it's it's a it's a uh, like fantasy amiibo, like what obscure sort of like one off character or like thing like that. What amiibo would you want? Does anything come to mind immediately for you, Mark? Ooh, this um. Ooh, I'm gonna have to. I, I this one I would have to think about because I 
own a couple of amiibo that you gifted me, but generally I didn't oh, yeah, like collect right. amiibo, so it would have to be. Uh, it had to be very special for you to want. Yeah, it. Exactly, exactly. What, a, what about? Uh, come on, a Professor Egad amiibo. You don't want okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I guess it's not that like hard. Professor Egad. Incredibly and easy to please. Yeah. That's that's uh, th- those would be great. I would 100 percent want those. There was a long time where, for me, uh, like man, it'd be so cool if they made amiibos of were the champions from Breath of the Wild, and then they did it. Um, so like, I don't know that I have one. W- look, would I love a Rusty from Rusty's Real Deal Baseball or the Arcade Bunny from Nintendo Badge Arcade Amiibo? Of course. Oh, yeah. Or, or uh, well, we might as well just tick off our favorites. Yep. Give me a Mike Jones Amiibo, Nintendo. Yep. Hey, Nintendo, give me a Stanley the Bugman. Everyone wants more Donkey Kong 3 in their <laughs> lives. Um... In whatever form that is, also greenhouse. Um, all right, Mark, <laughs> let's let's get into what we've been playing this week. I am chipping away at uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Arceus. Oh no. <laughs> um, I I went on uh, the video games a comedy show podcast to talk about my experience with Pokemon Legends uh, uh, Arceus. It's a fun episode. It is out now, so uh, you can go and check it out there. A um, little bit of a warning. We don't get to talking about Pokemon until like an hour and a half into the show, um, but it is a, a, a good, goofy time nonetheless. Mark, I'm really liking this game. I want you to play it so we can talk about it like together and um, have tra- trade our experiences uh, in the uh, Hisuian region. Yeah, it's so... I don't know, kind of like weird to be living in a world where this new Pokemon game came out and generally everybody seems to be enjoying it and saying positive things about it and really having a good time. Yeah, I mean, there is also like the negative corner of it that's all like the graphical presentation, but like, um, that's all true and like, yeah, it'd be nice if the game looked better. Um, I have had uh, the, the amazing experience of there being like some sort of bird Pokemon out in the distance. And it's far enough away that they drop the frame rate on it to like two per second. So it's like wings open, wings closed, <laughs> wings open, wings closed. But it's so far away. And if I weren't playing it on the TV, I wouldn't even see it. And like, it doesn't matter anyway. I'm still excited to catch that bird. What are you like enjoying about it? Is it like a really satisfying gameplay loop? Yeah. So um catching the pokemon themselves uh which is you know obviously like the the heart of the game feels like the heart of the game in a way that i haven't experienced in other pokemon games um i hate catching pokemon in other pokemon games i usually do too because like I, i hate battling them down to a sliver of their health um and then you know throwing a bunch of balls at them while my pokemon you know fall to their attacks or whatever um and the fact that you can do so much of it and are encouraged to do so much of it um from outside the battle system where you are sneaking around where you are luring them out with uh berries or whatever you're throwing rocks at them you're throwing down little smoke bombs so you can sneak up on them you're um you're masking the I forget exactly what the item is, but it's like a spray that makes it so your foot, your feet don't make sounds as, as you approach. Um, and just like observing them for a while. So you can tell like when they're going to go back and like try to hang out with the other Pokemon or like go back into the water or whatever. Um, it's just great to like have that be part of the catching experience instead of just battling. That does sound ri- Yeah, that does sound way better. I mean, what about the, is there a lot of story? Does the story get in the way, or is it kind of just yeah? Like- the story absolutely. I mean, the story gets in the way in as much as all Pokemon stories get in the way, right? Like that, like, um, or maybe even more so. Every time I get into a story sequence, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to get back out there mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. catch some more Pokemon. Can you skip the cutscenes? I don't. I don't think so because they're not really cutscenes. They're all like dialogue. Oh, just box. people talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. A, a lot of it I do kind of just, like, jam through. Because, you know, it's it's so much like, oh, this Pokemon's, like, looking at you. Like, you must be worthy of, you know, whatever. And you're like, this doesn't mean anything, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ignoring a, a, a lot of the of the story. Um, but, you know, being sent on the various missions that, that it does send you on. Um, and that's all, like, fun enough motivation to be, uh, you know, pointed into, like, specific directions on the map. Um, but... 
if it was just like truly open, I think I would be having more fun. Mm. What has any has anything more come of the like time travel conceit that we were talking about last week? No, not yet. Um, I no. I mean, every now and then they mention it. They're like, "Oh, you're the boy from the portal from that space time portal that's ripped open in the sky," and you're like, "Yep, I am." <laughs> uh, don't don't know what that means or how how that adds up to anything. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm I'm really loving it. That's great. Oh, one more question. Do you have yeah. is your character expressive or is it that classic Pokémon just like Yeah, classic dead <laughs> Like people like talk, like talk yeah. to you, then it'll like the camera will focus on you and you just have nothing going on. Nothing going on. I mean, occasionally, you know, just a like regular Pokémon sometimes it'll be like, oh, you know, like uh-huh. this surprise face or like a smile or something, but usually just dead eyes. Um, I did put some glasses on though. Right now I- I'm rocking a uh, like a white karate uniform and white boots um, with uh, a red belt, uh, a red bandana, and red glasses. So I'm like white and red. That sounds awesome. Are they like uh, sunglasses no, or just like reading glasses? They're just, I mean, they're very round. They're like Harry Potter glasses. <laughs> um, I They're the only glasses that I currently have at, at, at the moment. But, I love it. Um, yeah, it's uh, the bane of my existence in the game is the... Um, limited satchel space I have to put uh, items in um, because crafting is so like vital to the game um, and because I don't want to like throw anything out um, you have a limited number of inventory spaces for crafting materials for balls and for like items that you use in battle um, and also like uh, berries and stuff that you would use to uh, 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 distract what am i saying like attract pokemon attract pokemon in the wild thank you um and it's just like it's too many categories and i can't just be like well i'm not going to bring any of those you know um so it's it's tough i'm i'm always kind of oh so it's not like you have one satchel and then as many spaces as you want it's like no you have like a set number for this a set number like a set no so it, it is it is one satchel with like it's you expand it as you go uh-huh. um but so you know you start with maybe like 16 spots so like 16 different items can go in there oh got it um, okay and anything that you there's like a storage box so like if you get back to the campsite you can throw stuff in there to access it later which is fine in theory but i'm kind of just like just let me carry it all just let me carry it all like it's not fun to not be able to carry yeah, it yeah totally um especially when crafting materials fall into that same category so like if i encounter a new material that i haven't experienced before suddenly i like have to figure out what to do with my because you know 75 regular pokemon balls uh pokeballs take up the same space as one iron that i just picked up because i've never had any iron before you know um so that that's a little busted and um the like well crafting is uh you get a lot of items through crafting. I'm almost like, what's the point of like, it's not fun necessarily to, to, to craft and you can do it anywhere. So it's not even like you have to get back to a, um, a campsite to, to craft. So like, there are some systems that are still like a little, you know, a a little lumpy in like the way that Pokemon systems are, are, are lumpy. Um, but complaints notwithstanding, like it's just so fun to be like stalking around, uh, watching Pokemon go about their, daily business and uh, trying to catch him. Yeah, that does sound fun. Well, it was a big week for me and not just because it got new hand soap that we I'm learning about to love. Soap, yeah. Uh I finished both Skyward Sword HD, whoa, and Paper Mario. Wow. Yeah, Dunzo. Wow. Uh those are two that you've been chasing for like a while. Yeah, I mean, I played I bought Skyward Sword when it when the HD version was released and um, then, you know, when Paper Mario became available in December, I started playing that. So, yeah, kind of clearing the deck, making way for um, Kirby Month and what else may come. But I, I've – so you have finished Skyward Sword. I have yes. now finished Skyward Sword. We have not really talked about the ending of this game. And so I'm now going to talk about it. So if you want to avoid spoilers for Skyward Sword, definitely skip ahead a little bit. Um, so I – Really liked the end of this game. Yeah. So basically, after you get the like, oh, uh, I love this. We're like getting into yeah, it. Getting yeah, yeah. So it. okay, yeah. You know, like um, so, like for real. Like skip ahead like three or four minutes. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So you uh, get the three pieces of the Triforce, mm-hmm. and then the temple part of Skyloft like crashes to the ground out Friday outside so of the cool. sacred realms, and uh, then you go. 
basically, like, you go back in time and you have this big battle with Girahim. But before you get to Girahim, you have to walk down to the bottom of, like, the, the grounds outside. And it's like a muso. Basically, it's just waves and yep. waves of uh, vocoblins, like, coming at you. And, like, and occasionally, there's, like, a harder one in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And it really made me wonder, like, I wonder... Because this was on the Wii, and then... Hyrule Warriors came out on the Wii U. It really made me wonder if that was like the kind of inspiration. Yeah, for, like the, it really the felt like a little like yeah. Muso, like within Skyward Sword. Um, yeah, I mean, by by the same token, it makes me wonder if anyone ever saw like the end and like the final fight of uh, Skyward Sword and like realized you could turn that into a fighting game. Because um, that last battle with the Demon King. I thought I thought it was so cool. Wait, the the one with demise, yeah, like the like kind of Ganon looking dude. Yeah, the Ganon looking dude when he's wielding the sword that is Girahim. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, when you before had said that Girahim turns into his sword, I was imagining this like anamorphs type thing, but it's actually it was actually way cooler. Like yeah. demise, like basically pulls out of Girahim's heart like yeah. hit, uh this sword it was really cool yeah that was really neat i thought the demise the fight with demise i was actually surprised at that neither fight like with Girahim or with demise were that difficult mm-hmm. like i thought it was fairly simple i did use like one of the potions like the guardian potion that halves your damage and so that definitely made it easier but um yeah, I it, the, it's a fight that if you're like equipped for it, if you've got like a potion or potions, that you should be in pretty good shape. Which was fine with me. Like yeah. I was not, you know, desperate for a boss fight that I was going to like bang my head against the wall yeah. on. Like I was happy for it to be over with. I also like that it's like a fundamentals fight. Yes. That you're not like pulling out uh like weird items or getting a new mechanic right then. Like it's all just sword play. Yeah, and it, it takes like advantage of the skyward sword yep. mechanic where you yeah, it really is. the it's lightning like, from him yeah. yeah it was it was very cool i i also you know historically video game stories do nothing for me but i really really liked the story of skyward sword yeah and i really liked a lot of the characters and i ended up really really liking fee your sword character and so at the very end when she says goodbye when to she you. says goodbye i found that very effective yeah. I really, like, that really worked for me. Okay, I also have a question. Yeah. At the very, very end, after you go through the credits. Yeah. So, there's, like, a another little vignette where Link and Zelda are standing outside on uh, Hyrule, like, the ground. And Groose and a couple of other people take the birds and they're flying back to Skyloft. And Zelda's like, hey, I think I'm going to, um, like, stay here and live on Hyrule. What about you, Link? And Link doesn't say anything, but... It, as is his way, yeah. Yeah, but, like, the it's clear he's going to stay as well. Are they, like, the, the Adam and Eve? I think of, they're Adam and Eve, yeah, of, of Hyrule. That's that's a lot to grapple with. I mean, it it is cool, like, how uh, foundational, like, the mythology from... Uh, Skyward Sword ends up being totally because I mean, you're, you're building the Master Sword. Yep. Yeah. 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 That is very cool. And also, demise when he dies, he's like, "Oh, but I'm coming back. Like, don't get like I'm gonna haunt your uh, your children your and children. your children's children. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like my spirit is going to be around forever. And for whatever reason, that was really effective for me as well. Um, I mean, not to get like too real, but it feels like in it feels like in the world right now we're living through this time where we're like far enough away from some of the greater evils of the past right that everybody's kind of like forgetting those lessons right and we are literally doomed to repeat some of them and so it's the force awakens baby it, like it, where it's the new order yeah yeah and yeah new order is that what they're called first order first order there we go <laughs> although i'm sure that they would have incredible synth tracks um <laughs> dance tracks if they could, but yeah, you it, got me. You it, got me. It, it just felt a little bit. It, I don't know. Th- those sorts of like stories affect me in a way that they didn't before because it does feel like yeah. very real. Yeah, to be like kind of trapped in that cycle. Uh huh. Um, did you like the uh, the Impa reveal? That uh, yes, I like that yeah. so much. Okay, so uh, you go 
it, it, part of the mechanic in the game is you go through this time gate and Impa is protecting Zelda on like one side of the time gate. And uh, at the end, Impa's like, I have to stay here. And so Zelda says goodbye and she gives her a bracelet. And throughout the entire game, there's been this like old woman at the temple at the sacred grounds who is just called like the old woman or something like that. Yeah. And then and she looks an awful lot like, you know, with this, this like giant braid, uh, she looks an awful lot like the um, guardians of the, uh, the shrines in uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's such a good point. But then, so at the end, you travel back through the gate of time and it's revealed that the old woman was Impa. And that was all, that also really worked for me. I could not believe how well the story of Skyward Sword worked for me. I really, really, really liked Skyward Sword. Yep, 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 yep. I liked it a lot. To you, Mark, I'm so glad you finished it. We are, uh, and I know that you were applying a little pressure to yourself because we are talking about Skyward Sword on Thursday. We are determining the best NPC. Will Impa be on that list? Will Groose be on that list? Will Demise be on that list? What about Girahim? I'm sure we've got something to say about that guy. Um, Tune in for that. And so also I finished Paper Mario, which I also enjoyed when I first started the game. You know, I was like, this is a perfect game. When I got to the end of the game, I'm like, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Definitely not a perfect game. Yeah. I think it is a little too long. Like Bowser's Castle just felt endless to me. And But the, the last couple of boss fights are pretty tricky. Bowser specifically, like, I really got by that boss fight by the skin of my teeth. Like I had one HP left. Oh jeez. And it, you know, and when I did the final blow. So in that way, I guess you could say it was very like well balanced. But one thing that was crazy is I ended up having, you know, every time you get a hundred star points, you can level up either HP, FP, which is like magic, but it's flower points, or badge points, which is how you equip different buffs. And you get five of either you can choose five HP, five FP, or three badge points. I had been putting all of my stuff into essentially badge points and flower points. So I ended up with 20 HP and I was looking at some of the guides on how to beat Bowser. And people are like, you should have 60 hit yeah, points. That's exactly now. right. And yeah. I was like, oh, uh -oh. <laughs> this is a mess. <laughs> so it took me a while to beat Bowser, but I was determined to finish it. And I'm glad I did. It was a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun game. At the very end there over the credits, there's this it's basically like a celebratory parade where Luigi is the, um, uh, what, 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 what? Grand Marshal? Yeah. Or is it the grand, like the band leader, the one with like the baton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. That's a parade marshal. Yeah. yeah. So like leading the marching band that is full of Goombas, but the thing that, or not Goombas, uh, Toads, but the thing that my like theme park loving heart loved about it is that that happens during the day and then it transitions to night and it's like the Main Street Electrical Parade. Which also happens at the end of Super Mario World, um, but it's, you know, 16-bit instead of the, like, paper aesthetic. Yeah. So, um, glad to have those games finished. Enjoyed both a lot. And, yeah, looking forward to Kirby Month. Um, that's amazing. Did I mention last week, slash, had it happened at that point, that I finished Spider-Man on uh, PlayStation no, 4? No, no, we didn't talk about I, that. I, I finished Spider-Man. So, we're, we're experiencing a bunch of endings right now, which I think is very cool. Um uh, and there's something that happens at the... Uh, I'm not about to s spoil the end of uh, Spider-Man, but there's something that happens in there that feels totally superfluous, and I'm like, why did that happen? This story wasn't about this. Um, uh, all in all, I think Spider-Man's a great game. I think the... Uh, and, like, the presentation of it is wonderful. The performances are wonderful. But the story as a complete package, uh, pretty dumb and scattered. Oh, yeah. Um, which uh, I, I think no one was ready to acknowledge when the game came out because it is so pretty and because the presentation and like every moment works, uh, but you put it all together into one story and it's like, no, that's a mess. You know, <laughs> do you think you'll pick up Miles Morales? I mean, I did as that's, oh. I, I, I picked up the complete package oh, got of, it, got of it. all of it together. Um, and I, I spent a, a, a good deal of time this morning um, just like flipping around New York, looking for more crimes to solve with my fists. Um, <laughs> Because it's a really fun game. The combat's uh, very satisfying, as is just swinging around. Um, all right, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today. 
today, Tuesday, February eighth, Ollie Ollie World is released on the Switch eShop. Can you? It's we're already there. I know, crazy. Um, uh, Ollie Ollie World was uh, we saw it in like one Indie World showcase, and then again in like another one. So Nintendo is obviously like positioning it to be. Um, you know, one of their like marquee indies. Um, you had expressed some interest in this one earlier. Uh, do you think you're gonna pick it up when it comes out? I don't think I'm. It, it's on my today. It's on my watch list, so or wish list on the Nintendo eShop. So I'm I'm gonna wait for a sale in the future, but yeah. I am interested in it for sure. On Thursday, February 10th, all the Kingdom Hearts games are coming to Switch as part of the cloud version. Should I read? All of the titles? I don't think so. Because, okay. uh, I mean, they, they don't make sense. Uh, but uh, remember, they are all the cloud versions mm-hmm. of the games. Uh, and my experience with the demos was that they uh, stream kind of rough. Um, but determine it for yourself. You can check out the demos for free, um, even now uh, ahead of the release. Um, but I think probably if you have the capacity to play them anywhere else, um, do that. Because the individual pricing on these things, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, Um they're so expensive. Uh, and even if you get like the bundle of all three of them, it's like $90. Um, and you can always, always, always on other platforms find it for like between $20 and $30. And then doing something a little special, jumping ahead to Monday. Monday! Because on Monday, February 14th, Monster Prom 2, Monster Camp XXL is releasing. I didn't know that there was a sequel to Monster Prom. So this was a huge surprise to me i played this game back in 2020 when it was released on switch it's like a like dating simulator type thing in a monster filled high school it's really funny and it can be a yeah the writing is incredible like it it is genuinely funny and like super self-aware but not in like a meme kind of way uh like it's actually well written um uh but it can be a competitive dating sim which is incredible. Like you can actually pass controllers around when you're playing with other people. Uh, so you're all like trying to romance from the same pool of monsters. Which I've, I've never played it in. Oh, uh, we should, before. Mark. That it's would so be fun. really fun. But yeah, so the conceit of this one is that you're at like a summer camp and there's new monsters to romance, all that kind of stuff. Um, seems like a lot of fun. Uh, new monsters. Are the old monsters still in there? I think some of the, I actually don't know. Maybe it is an entirely new cast. I'm not sure. I don't know if my heart could take losing some of those monsters. <laughs> there are some good monsters in there. Um, okay, well, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Back to messing up the music cues. Thank you. Uh, now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, I believe you have prepared a little something for me. That's right. So, today, this morning, February 8th, um, the 2022 Oscar nominations were announced, and I... Patrick have prepared a little Oscars quiz for you. Oh, I hope it's not about the nominations that were announced this morning because <laughs> I don't have any of that information. That's right. It is not. Okay, good. Um, okay, so what I have done is I'm going to read to you the nominees for Best Picture from a certain year. Oh, and God. Then, and I have then, to pick who actually th- won? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, you will pick what year oh, these nominations okay. come from. All right. Okay. Great. So here's the first list. Did you know that Shrek won for best adapted screenplay? <laughs> did you know that? Wait, uh, no, I did not know that. This is this is new information. Now you are cursed with that knowledge. <laughs> Has a, Academy Award winning Shrek. <laughs> okay. Yeah. First grouping. Uh-huh. Ready? Mm-hmm. Braveheart. Okay. Apollo 13. Yeah. Babe. The Postman. Il Postino. And Sense and Sensibility. Okay, so this is in uh, mid to early 90s. I'm going to say 1994. So close. Is it Nin- five? 1995. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. my gut said 95. Do you, re- do you remember what the best uh, Braveheart, picture? right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was super close. Yeah. 
Here's next one. I hope that next wasn't groupie. like the easy one that I was supposed to get. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that any of these are necessarily easy. I would say they're all about the same. Okay. American Beauty. 1999. Yeah, that's exactly right. And American Beauty won. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can name the others. I can't. What are the What are the other nominees? The Cider House Rules, uh-huh. The Green Mile, uh-huh. The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. Okay, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Man, that should have won. Sixth Sense is a great film. Holds up. Here, here's another grouping. Mm-hmm. The Artist... The Descendants. Okay. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. <laughs> the Help. Uh-huh. Hugo. Midnight in Paris. Oh, that's right. We were doing like eight of these things. Moneyball. <laughs> the Tree of Life. Uh-huh. And War Horse. I saw most of these movies, um, but I saw Tree of Life in Chicago, and I saw The Artist in L.A., so I think this must have been 2012. Oh. 2011? 2011, Oh, that's, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, that is, yeah, of yeah. course, what I meant. I know. Yeah. It, um, you totally had that it, one. It was in 2012 that the- That it won. The, yes, that's yeah, right. Exactly. But for uh, 2011, yeah. The artist, of course, won. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, next grouping. Which was good. The artist was good. I liked it. <laughs> Out of Africa. Uh-huh. The Color Purple. Okay. Kiss of the Spider Woman. The- of course, the first in the Sony Spider-Man movies. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> Prizzy's Honor and Witness. Okay, so we've got to be in the early 80s here. Um, I think. I think Witness came out either right before or right after Return of the Jedi. I'm going to say 1984. Ooh, so close. 1985. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll never know if you had more uh, for me. Do you have one more? <laughs> I do. I do. Oh, um, well, I have three more. Oh, okay. Give me one more. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Just the best one, though. <laughs> the curse. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> Frost Nixon. Uh huh. Milk. The Reader and Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Uh, twenty ten. Ooh, close. Twenty eight. Two thousand eight. That's not that close. <laughs> when I'm when I'm one year away, you can say that I'm close. But when I'm two years off, I totally missed it. Okay, you're right. That was a trash answer. Thank you. Uh, give me half a point. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. Thank you, by the way, for preparing that quiz for me. So a mysterious bundle. Mm-hmm. Uh, of mysterious origin called the Batman Arkham Collection listed for the Nintendo Switch has possibly been leaked by French distributor WTT with the release date of August 31st, 2022. Now, possibly big news here because none of the Batman Arkham games are currently playable in any form on the Nintendo Switch. There was a version of Arkham City, the Armored Edition, that was available on the Wii U, which even had some, like, gamepad functionality. Um, but, like, kind of that's it. I don't think Arkham Asylum ever came to any Nintendo platform. I don't think so either. So this listing showed up last week, has since been removed, and no one has said anything about it. No one has confirmed a thing. The What makes this seem more likely than just a mistake is that there's never been anything called the Batman Arkham collection before. Yeah, that's that is the crazy thing. That the there is a like bundling slash like re it's a, a upresing of the first two games, uh Arkham City uh, or Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, uh called the Return to Ark just called Batman Return to Arkham. Um that was uh, available on PlayStation 4 and possibly Xbox uh one. Um but that that is not the Batman Arkham Collection. Right. And the date, you know, like August 31st, you point out Patrick is a Wednesday and it's the end of the month. So kind of feels like a placeholder date. Yeah, that doesn't feel like a real date. But if if they knew it was coming out like in the summer, like that's a safe like end of summer date, basically. So, do you, I mean, let's throw our hats in the ring. Do we think this is real? Uh, I want it to be real. Uh, and there's, there are a handful of Arkham games that have never been like re-released in any way. Like there's uh the Batman Arkham origins, which is the sort of like flashback one. 
um, that wasn't developed by uh, Rocksteady, but by WB Montreal, which is a pretty good game, just not as good as the the other two. Um, and then also the uh, portable uh, Arkham Origins Blackgate, which I think was like a, a Vita and uh, DS game, maybe. Or I something think it's like a that? 3DS game. 3DS game. But I think it was developed by Mercury Steam. The oh, same developers who are who most recently developed Metroid Dread. Uh, so and then there's also obviously uh Arkham Knight, the the first of these Arkham games that was native to um PlayStation Four, Xbox One generation. Uh, and so if the Batman Arkham Collection could be any assemblage of those five games, uh, it would be very cool to see that on. I mean, on all platforms, but uh, would be especially cool to see it on Switch. Yeah, I do wonder if the collection will have that many games. You know what I mean? It's a lot of games to put on on a collection. But I mean, like, they are... uh, The Return to Arkham collection uh, has been on both, like, Game Pass on Xbox and... um, the uh, PS Plus, and like even even beyond that, so like for free essentially for people who subscribe to those services, um, and uh, otherwise it's it'll cost you like seven dollars or something like that. So like they're kind of just giving it away at this point. So like why not package all of them and you charge know, sixty bucks for charge it? Charge sixty bucks. It would on be Switch, also yeah. be cool. I mean, I don't think that uh, Arkham Origins Blackgate had a great reception, but it would be cool to have that available someplace again. I looked it up. I was incorrect. It is not Mercury Steam. It was Armature Studio, which was a, kind of like a some of the developers from retro games uh, there we left go. and made their own studio. Um, yeah, uh, and you know, there's, w- there was also sort of news this last week that uh, Rocksteady's uh, upcoming game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, um, was delayed until 2023. That's not like an announcement that they made, but like all sort of reporting around it is that the game is being sort of quietly delayed. And is uh, WB Montreal's Arkham Knights supposed to come out this year now? Arkham, wasn't it delayed yeah. from last year? Correct. Um, yeah, so our Arkham Knights, which like... Uh, when it was delayed, because that one is supposed to be uh, cross-generational, right? That um, it's supposed to be on the last-gen PlayStation and Xbox and current, uh, where Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League was not going to be a, a previous-gen game. So it would be weird to release them within the same year. Um, so, you know, w- whatever the reason for pushing back uh, Kill the Justice League, um, it seems like that's happening. Uh, so if they want to just, like, you know, generate some more, like, Arkham excitement, I think this would be a way to do it, especially because um, there's no way that Arkham, uh, uh, no, Gotham Knights, right? Is that? Oh, I think you're right. I think yeah. that is what it's called. Um, that Gotham Knights is coming to Switch, right? Right. So uh, if they do have this collection that's available, and, you know, the collection could also just be the first two, or, you know, it, it probably won't have or the Origins games on there um, just because they've been sort of ignored uh, otherwise. Um, would still be a cool little like way to juice the franchise by putting that on Switch. Yeah, I think so too. I also would just love to replay Arkham Asylum. Yeah, Arkham, especially like as something to revisit. Arkham Asylum is so like contained and neat and tight um, that it would be very, it would be very fun to revisit that. At last week's Yacht Club Games presents, the company revealed a new game, Mina the Hollower aiming for a late 2023 release. It kind of looks like a mix between Castlevania and a Zelda game. Promises a Game Boy Color 8-bit aesthetic with modern touches like widescreen, detailed animation, etc. Patrick, as our resident Yacht Club Games booster, how are you feeling about uh, Mina the Hollower? I mean, in the abstract, I'm excited because they know how to do these kind of like retro style games while also embracing a lot of new uh technology and just like thoughts about game design um the game boy color like 8-bit aesthetic isn't i'm not as immediately in love with it as i am like an 8-bit or um like a 16-bit aesthetic it's one of those uh it feels more limiting than i want it to be or i don't know if just like those color palettes are like a little bit grosser to me it's like uh what was the name of that um pocket fighter that the the one that i was excited about the, the pocket like, rumble yeah that's right pocket rumble that was using the the neo geo uh pocket um as like it's a visual template um which is a cool 
it's cool like as a artifact, but it's not something that I would be drawn to like sort of natively in the same way that I am to like pixel art um, that more closely resembles uh, NES or Super NES. And I think I have the same hang up around Game Boy Color. It just, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't feel as pretty to me. Yeah, it's a really, to me, it's a really interesting choice to make it based on like the Game Boy Color template. And I, the, in some ways, the fact that they put that limitation on themselves, or at least that's like the lens in which they're viewing it, I, I find that really interesting. Does that, because for me, when I hear uh, Zelda-like Game Boy Color game, I think of the Oracle games uh, of Seasons and Ages, which are like, pretty lumpy zelda games right um it just that seems like an interesting like kind of well to draw from that i don't i trust uh yacht club um but i'm not immediately like oh those are exactly the aesthetics that i uh, sure am excited yeah. to see them use another thing i thought was interesting is that they are they have chosen to set up a kickstarter for the game yeah so it launched last week with an original goal of a very specific number that I'm sure it must have some significance that I'm not aware of. Sure. It's 300 and a 311,000 like <laughs> how do you say this? 311,503. There you go. Uh but at this point they're closing in on a million and adding new stretch goals. So I, I don't know. Uh, so basically what they say, they're up front, they're like, quote, compared to our original Kickstarter, we're not in dire straits. We're financing the majority of Mina the Hollower's development internally. Our main reason for launching a Kickstarter this time is to build a brand new universe in the same way we did with our first game, Shovel Knight, with our community involved in creating something special along with us. Every backer, backer that joins the development will help to make a more robust game. Together we'll break new ground. The thing is, like, I, I have have like i don't have strong feelings one way or the other about them kickstarting it i think it's kind of weird but that's their explanation there means nothing to me but right maybe i i don't know what they're t talking about i don't well, know what they're talking about <laughs> well i mean it it sort of depends right because like there is uh there is definitely like a community that comes out of kickstarting something just in that like you are uh when you kickstart a a project you are getting like regular um, emailed updates um, and you are promised you know whatever kind of reward and in some ways kickstarting this game is a more surefire bet that you the money that you're spending on it will in fact result in a game That's that true. you are getting um, there is no guarantee when you kickstart a game even if it's like one of the rewards is like a digital copy of the game that you'll ever see that game um, just because product Projects fail. Projects don't get completed. This one will. Um, you know, they will spend their own money to to get it. Um, I I would be curious to know whether people are uh, like kickstarting is this with like if they're spending more money on it than just the cost of like the game or whatever rewards they're interested in. Because um, like as a pre-ordering a game that isn't going to come out for another year plus. Um, Kickstarter is a pretty good platform for that. Um, but if the game is going to be funded anyway, then there's not really any other point to it, right? Right. And But like you said, I, I think that's a really good point that, you know, you, there is more, like, guarantee that this project is going to be something that you like and is actually going to ship. You know, so, yeah. like, why not Kickstarter it? I feel like with um, uh, Shovel Knight, they did right by their Kickstarter, you totally. know, like, their backers. I mean, they when they were Kickstarting Shovel Knight, they set some, like, really ambitious stretch goals, which ended up being, you know, like, three separate other campaigns um, on top of the, like, original game, um, which, with the exception of the... Uh, um, uh plague night uh one uh were like full-fledged like you know with different stories and like all, all these other like new levels and stuff um and they had those as uh stretch goals and they met them all and like it seemed like they set them as goals without expecting to ever hit them and so they were they continued development on that game for like five years after it came out because they had to meet their uh stretch goals um and also ended up uh, putting a game mode in there that had nothing to do with their stretch goals. Um, so, yeah, it's it feels like a weird sort of icky move, but it's like Yacht Club's always good for it. You know what I mean? 
Uh, if it were someone, if it were almost any other studio, I'd be like, what are you up to? But like, I don't know, Yacht Club seems good for it. The presentation also included the announcement of DLC for Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon and features the new character Random Knight. And uh, there was an update on the development of Shovel Knight Dig, which is currently in the final stages of development, announced in 2019. Like, the game was first announced in 2019. This is one that every time Yacht Club Games comes up, I'm like, isn't there another thing lingering out there? What are we waiting on? So I'm trying to file this away in my mind palace for next time this comes up. Uh, So that was the hour of uh, a a Yacht Club Presents. Uh, They talked about three games. One of which was brand new, one of which is currently out, and another one which we've known about since 2019. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Yacht Club Presents. Yeah. We know what to expect of you now. <laughs> Nintendo announced their third quarter financial results last week. So as of this recording right now, we're still waiting for the official English translation of the investor Q&A session that happens around this time. And that's where like the juicy tidbits come yeah, from sometimes. We're, we're waiting by the phone. <laughs> Like we people want to make calls on this phone, but we know we we can't let them. We can't tie up the line because that translation is going to come in any minute. Nobody can connect to the internet. No, no one. Hey, if I hear one YouTube video playing, I'll know. We don't want to tie up the phone lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but while we're anxiously awaiting the release of the official English translation, we do have some cold hard numbers don't need to translate numbers Mm. don't need to translate numbers so just a reminder that most of these numbers are through the end of the fiscal quarter so that would be the end of december very good pokemon sword and shield is now the second best-selling pokemon game games i guess they are the best second best-selling pokemon games passing gold and silver at almost 24 million copies sold according to nintendo 23 million nine hundred thousand uh a huge number red green blue still the best selling with uh over 31 million but which is that's insane yeah i mean and it's it's amazing that like red blue and green and is yellow do you think included in that too i don't think hard to say yeah um that uh it's they've been around you know forever that's true which is part of the reason that they continue to uh, make new sales um, and you know like they were re-released on the um, 3ds eShop uh, just a couple of years ago even um, maybe like five or six years ago uh, so I know they got another bump then uh, but still there's like truly impressive numbers that uh, those old Game Boy games are putting up yeah and like crazy the sword and shield uh, did as well as it did yeah I mean I, is that just a power of the switch kind of thing or like what's happening I there? think it's yeah I think it's power of the switch not to be confused with the power of the dog no. which may be nominated for Oscars this morning at this point we don't know what do you mean we don't know do you know well no it, it, oh it, this morning <laughs> I see I see this morning meaning for us tomorrow morning yes. gotcha 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 yeah yeah um I yeah so I, I think it is uh the power of switch. Plus, just the general popularity of Pokemon. I really mm-hmm. think, you know, Pokemon Go really reinvigorated a lot of love for Pokemon. And I think the franchise has just kind of been firing on all cylinders for years now. And Detective Pikachu, I think. Like, yeah, I think great there, point. There was a lot of, like, mainstreamification of um, uh, Pokemon fandom um, outside of the ways in which it already was a mainstream thing anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's, I guess, not surprising that... Uh, sword and shield would end up selling as well as they did um and then we've got uh numbers for uh legends uh arceus just from the first uh week that was out um 6.5 million copies have been sold yeah pretty crazy that's so many that's so that's three metroid dreads (laughs) yeah yeah also, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which again, released like three months ago, has sold almost 14 million, 13.97 million copies. There's, They're outstanding numbers. It's a boom time for Pokemon. Um, and especially considering that we're talking about $60 games now. We're yeah. not talking about Game Boy games, who knows how much they were selling for, or 3DS games that were selling for $40. Like, it's, it's, they're, they're very big numbers. Uh, like you mentioned, Metroid Dread is at 2.74 million, so just a few hundred thousand behind Metroid Prime to become the best-selling Metroid game ever. And like you're saying, at 60 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
Also, Animal Crossing New Horizons is now the single best-selling game ever in Japan, with over 10 million copies sold, passing the original Super Mario Brothers, at which had sold 6.81 million copies. Um, the gulf between those numbers is enormous. It's so crazy. 10 million and 6.81 million? It, it feels like it... I uh, I can't remember what the last like update for Animal Crossing was. So either it sold like 4 million copies over <laughs> the holidays, or yeah. it has past this some time ago boy that's uh that's a great point um i mean i guess it's possible that it had like a resurgence in popularity with but uh, just Happy in Home japan Paradise. this is singularly know, in japan like four million copies it, mean, it must have it must it must have passed this a while ago right and they just like saw fit now to be like oh you know what that's an impressive number <laughs> also both warioware get it together and game builder garage are over one million copies sold Game Builder Garage. Mind-blowing. Um, good for those games. Uh, I liked WarioWare Get It Together. I fell off it pretty quick, um, but still like fun every time I revisit it. Uh, also, the Switch has sold 103.54 million units. It, pa- it now has passed the Wii as Nintendo's best-selling home console and also passed the PlayStation 1. It's a lot. They've sold a lot of those things. Yep. Hard to remember when, um, was it Kimishima, who was the interim president mm-hmm. d- during the Switch launch? And, you know, the thing I think was barely out or maybe even before it was released. He was like, we're feeling pretty good about this. Like, we think it could surpass the Wii. And that just seemed so crazy at the time. Yeah. Well, and especially just like with the position that Nintendo was coming from uh, on the uh, not success of, of the Wii U. Um, did you, uh, the, I saw some of like the, the slides that they had for this, uh, where they were showing like the Wii generation they have like the Wii and the, um, DS sort of side by side. And then they put the switch and the 3DS together in like one generation to be like, ah, see, these numbers are, these are all that they add up to be like better. And then the Wii U just sort of like hanging out in the middle when it's like that 3DS should be down there with the Wii U. <laughs> totally. Totally. That does not belong in the Switch generation. No, that You're doing it wrong. The Switch killed the 3DS. Y- yeah, 100%. And the Wii U was just, I don't know. Bleeding out trying its best. Yeah, it did. Trying its best. Uh, also, surprise, the, uh, Nintendo could have sold more Switches, but couldn't meet demand due to supply constraints. The OLED model is still pretty hard to get. During December, I felt like there were a lot of, you would see it come up on Amazon and stuff. Yeah. But you can't just like walk into a store and buy an OLED. OLED. Uh, which is also just sort of a universal experience for a, a, a lot of the um, new generation hardware. So, um Again, we are not talking about uh, supply constraints or chip shortages until there is something new to say on them. So uh, I'm afraid we must move on. <laughs> One, th- uh, This is only tangentially Nintendo-related, but last week Sony announced their intention to buy the developer of Destiny and original in the original Halo games, Bungie. Mm-hmm. You will not be surprised, Patrick, to hear that I uh, think that this is bad. Because of consolidation. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it it's it's not great. Um, the thing that I keep seeing is that uh, Bungie has the sort of, you know, like online infrastructure and they know how to make like online live service games, which is something that Sony and PlayStation are uh, like moving towards in the future. And that a lot of what they're buying is like institutional knowledge and like how to do that, um, which is... Like, I think there is something valuable in that knowledge being, like, spread around back down to the rest of Sony Studios. But I almost wish it was just, like, let's take the trade secret and un... Like a partnership, almost? Well, I it, it's, it's almost... It's one of those things where it's like penicillin. Like, everyone should just have access to it, right? Like, we're all better if we have... If all the video game companies know how to make live service games, right? Um, and obviously the scale of importance there is, you know, way lower. Um, but, you know, it's it just like uh, uh, patents on um, uh, COVID vaccines that like we should be lifting those so that uh, there can be generics made uh, across the world. Um, sort of the same thing there. And I know that like, you know, the the technology and the IP is all like proprietary and like it's good that people can make their money off of it uh, while the getting is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
at the end of the day, I agree with you that like putting all of that knowledge just into Sony's camp um, instead of like it being around to everyone is a bummer. Well, the and yeah, the the part that irritates me is you know when these things are announced and you know Jim Ryan says, well, you know, bunch of games are going to stay multi-platform. Right, and then that gets repeated everywhere, and it, to me, that's just so mealy mouth because it's like, yeah, today they're going to be, right? But you know, like in four years down the line, when it no longer makes financial sense to do that, regulators are no longer looking at this, you know, right. acquisition. Right. Then, do you think how long do you think that Bungie games are actually going to stay multi-platform? Right, it is truly the same thing as the Microsoft Activision Blizzard purchase, where they say, "Oh yeah, we're not going to take Call of Duty away from you." Yeah, they're not going to take it away from you, but the next one, the next one's going to be on a platform that has a big green X in the middle of it, right? Right. Um, uh, and it's, I don't, I don't know, all, all of it, um, like the sort of like console warsiness of it is so pointless because like the problems with consolidation are on i'm gonna i'm gonna say both sides even though i don't even think it is a sides or that there are only two of them right um but just the consolidation of these like giant companies um is not good uh for competition it's not good for capitalism it's not good for like video games in the long run it's not good for video games yeah i really don't think so um and it's just it's disheartening to see um like any of the conversation about this online, like immediately goes back to like, you know, uh, who wins, who wins and who's a fanboy of what? And like, uh, Xbox tears. And, you know, it's all so annoying that like, how, how do people get lumped in these like tribal States of like identifying, like you play this or you, you want this companies to succeed. It's dumb to want like any of these companies to succeed on this level. Um, and I know, I know we do a Nintendo <laughs> podcast. I know this. But it's a company that traditionally makes uh, games with values that Mark and I share, right? Right. I mean, hey, we're not above it. We were just uh, celebrating the fact that the Switch has sold 103.54 <laughs> million units. So maybe I've lost all the high ground here. <laughs> but I, I, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, is this a video game story or just a scary sign of things to come? Right. Yeah. Well, here's something Sony related <laughs> that is Nintendo related. Uh, yeah. The Sony produced MLB The Show 22 game is headed to Switch on April 5th, 2022. In 2019, you'll recall, it was announced that the game would no longer be a PlayStation exclusive. And we got an Xbox version last year. And this year, it's also on Switch. Um, Let me ask you this. Slash, do we have any confirmation of this? Is it like a real I think version? It's, it's not, I think not it's, cloud? I, yeah, as far as I know, they're selling like physical copies of it. Um, I think it's I think it's the real deal. Um, that is interesting because the um, the show is uh, traditionally like a graphically intensive, like it's a pretty game, um, and also very sim-y. Um, I spent a little time with uh, maybe the show 2019, 2020, one of them um, on PlayStation 4, uh, and was immediately put off by how <laughs> how involved and like how much I had to think about how baseball was played. Um, but yeah, h- huge games, right? That uh, sell really well on PlayStation and on um, uh, on Xbox. I do think it's cool that the studio sort of um, like represented themselves as Sony and were like, or no, it was MLB, right? It was the 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 license holder that was like. If you want to keep the license, you got to keep putting these things. That's my guess. I'm guessing they looked at like the success of you know Madden and all the other uh, sports license teams. (laughs) Right, that's right. (laughs) And we're like, thank you for doing that, Patrick. I (laughs) forgot. Um, But yeah, I'm assuming they looked at that and were like, oh wait, we could be making a ton more money if this wasn't a platform exclusive. Right. Um, Yeah. So I just I I wonder if there are any concessions made for the Switch version. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I have. I don't know that there's been previews or anything of it. So, yeah. Buyer beware, I suppose. Uh, always good advice. All right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. 
All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you uh, get your podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Uh, we appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. I'm balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>